It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. And this is our review of Nyad. Listen to this. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Don't you want to be fully awake? Your soul ignited by a purpose. Oh, God. Oh, I'm serious. That again. Everybody's gotta live. Diana Nyad, world champion marathon swimmer. This one I want to do is 60 hours. That's Cuba to Florida. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. no. That's insane. Diana, you tried that when you were 28, and you did not make it when you're 28. You're 60. I don't believe in imposed limitations. The only one who gets to decide if I'm through is me. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Nyad, and the story is as follows. 64-year-old marathon swimmer Diana Nyad attempts to become the first person ever to swim from Cuba to Florida. The film is starring Annette Bening, Jodie Foster, and Reese Ifans. It is directed by Elizabeth Chai Vassarheli, Jimmy Chin, and written by Julia Cox. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Dan Baer. Hello, everybody. And Daniel Howitt. Hello, hello. Okay, so Nyad had its world premiere at the Telluride Film Festival. It was actually supposed to uh, have a tribute to Annette Bening at the uh, festival, but that didn't happen due to the... SAG after strike, unfortunately. Uh, but it has played at a number of festivals since then, the Toronto International Film Festival, a couple of regionals, and it is now currently playing in theaters and will be streaming on Netflix on November 3rd, based on a true story, a really incredible true story, if you guys uh, take a moment to look it up. And Elizabeth and Jimmy are actually uh, pretty well known because they are Oscar winners for Best Documentary Feature for directing Free Solo. They had another really popular film come out a few years later called The Rescue, which I'm sure a lot of people saw. Even earlier this year, uh, they directed another Nat Geo documentary called Wildlife. But this is their first narrative feature film that they have co-directed together. And so in telling the true story of Diana Nyad here with Annette Bening, Jodie Foster in the two main roles what did we ultimately think of it? Why don't we first start off here with Daniel Howitt, because Daniel, you saw it at Toronto soon after I saw it at Telluride. What did you think of this movie? Yeah, I, I knew literally nothing about Diana Nyad. I don't know if I'm the only one. Um, I, I knew absolutely nothing. Hadn't heard of her until I heard that they were making this movie. Um, so pretty much all I knew was kind of the, the plot description. You know, I, I gathered, okay, she's a legendary swimmer and trying to swim to Cuba. Okay, got it. Or to Florida, whatever it is. You know, but what I, of course, knew was Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai Vassarheli's movies, uh, their documentaries. And so that alone had me had me in. I was like, okay, I, I want to see what they do in this form. And it's good. It's not great, but it's uh, but it is good. And um, primarily it's good thanks to Annette Bening and Jodie Foster's performances. They are genuinely such a good pairing and they really sell the story. The thing is, we have like a million sports biopics and they can be really great. But as a sports biopic, this is really conventional. 
there's not a lot to separate this from your, you know, average run of the mill sports movies or, or just biopics in general. But what we don't get often are stories of platonic friendships. And I know there's like, whispers of like are they quote unquote friends but no they they really are friends uh they're both lesbians but they're not together and this movie is a a, a just an, a testament to their amazing friendship and how they spur each other on and so that really helps sell this film their performances are phenomenal and even in the midst of all the the cliches that are throughout this movie, and there are unfortunately quite a lot of them, there's some you know flashbacks that just don't work and are are pretty unnecessary. But the things that do work are the cheerworthy moments. This is a crowd pleaser in the sense that you know you can kind of guess what happens in the end of any sports movie, and there are big cheering moments, and they work cliches they might be they work so um they had me smiling and kind of you know the blood was pumping uh so it really worked so those things work in spite of the structure in spite of some of the mistakes um but what is good from beginning to end is the relationship between benning and foster's characters and they're genuinely phenomenal uh jody foster is is especially good. I know the movie is about Diana Nyad um, and Benning is phenomenal, but it was Jodie Foster who really won me over the most. Maybe it's because she's playing just such a down-to-earth, normal, strong person in a way that I, I, I haven't found Jodie Foster so relatable in a, in a very long time um, that I loved. I just loved her subtle performance. So, all in all, Nyad is good. It works at what it's trying to do, even though you do have to kind of sift through some some heavy cliche work along the way. Okay. All right. Dan Baer, you are the most recent of the three of us to have seen Nyad just a few days ago. Mm-hmm. What did you think? It's fine. You know, it it does exactly what it says on the tin. You know, it presents the story of Diana Nyad's admittedly pretty freaking thrilling swim from Cuba to the coast of Florida. It's worth it for the performances from Annette Benning and Jodie Foster, who like I'm, I just felt so happy to see Jodie Foster on screen again. I have like really missed her presence, I guess. I mean, in recent years, she's really only done the Mauritanian. And it's so nice to see her. And she steals like every scene she's in just by being Jodie Foster. <laughs> hey, you know what, though? You're going to get a lot more Jodie Foster pretty soon. She's got that True Detective HBO series yeah. coming out soon. Yeah, which I'm very much looking forward to. And honestly, Annette Benning, this feels like, you know, a role that she was born to play. It's that very classic Benning, like just strong, you know, in your face woman who will stop at nothing to get what she wants. And this is a really interesting, uh, sort of abrasive spin on that character for, for her. And I really liked it. All of the technical work during the swim uh, sequences, the the cinematography, the score, the the makeup work, which is incredible, uh, is really 
really well done. But that makes up, if I'm being generous, a quarter of the movie, which means that there are three quarters of other things. And when that other stuff is not focused on the relationship between uh, Jodie Foster and Annette Benning's characters, I think it kind of falls apart. And and it, there are flashback sequences in this that I, I don't want to spoil, but it felt to me like they were done so haphazardly that they kind of end up being a disservice to the true story because it feels like they're just inserted randomly into the story and what happened you know diana and i's story is truly inspirational in part because of what she had to overcome and i don't think the structure and how those things those flashbacks are inserted into the story do that story justice but it's still worth seeing you know it it delivers on the inspirational sports drama bit and i would be lying if i said I didn't think that this was one of Annette Benning's best performances. So I do agree with the sentiment that everyone should probably see this for the performances. I saw it at the world premiere at the Telluride Film Festival, and I was pretty impressed by what both Benning and Jodie Foster were doing in this movie to different degrees, uh, because their characters are very different from one another. Um, Jimmy and Elizabeth as a directing duo and making the leap over to narrative feature from documentary, you can see some of that style cross over. And then there are times where they're clearly, I think showing a bit of their inexperience with shooting some of these one-on-one dialogue scenes. And I do think that even though they are blessed with having a great cinematographer and Claudio Miranda, His work doesn't really lend itself well to some of these interior uh, scenes where it's just people talking in rooms. It's when Diana gets in the water and we actually get these, whether they're training montages or the uh, one of the four attempts uh, or five attempts rather um, to make the major journey. I mean, this insane how. 60 hours 103 miles it's staggering a true a true accomplishment in human history to do such a thing it's pretty amazing uh but when she gets in the water that's when the camera work really comes alive the score comes alive the editing rhythm of this movie really comes alive and it feels like that's what we're obviously building the whole to- uh, the whole story towards is diana getting into the water and having this incredibly exhilarating moment where yes the outcome is never in doubt but what i think is amazing and something very similar to jimmy and elizabeth's documentary films is that it's not so much that you know that this is going to turn out okay it's more about marveling at the actual feat and accomplishment itself and having to bear witness to what humans are capable of achieving. I mean, I I find it not only to be inspirational, but I just find it to be awe-inspiring. I find myself speechless sometimes when I watch any of their movies where they're focusing on these subjects who have done what some people consider to be literally the impossible. 
And Diana Nyad's story is something that does a really good job of establishing stakes and letting us know what the dangers are and getting us to understand how difficult this actually is. Like I said, five attempts. She has the first attempt when she's 60 years old. The odds are already stacked against her due to her age, physical limitations, the actual journey itself. What? Matt, Matt, the first attempt was in her 20s. Oh, well, (laughs) that's true. She was, what, 28? Something like that, yeah. Oh, all right, fine. Well, thank you for pointing that out. I I forgot about (laughs) that. You're right. But the movie, but that, that takes place in the past before the narrative of the movie itself. Yeah. This is more so focusing on how, even though she wasn't able to accomplish it back then, she decides all this time later when, as she says, the rest of the world is just kind of waiting for her to die off and her time is over and she's past her prime. She wants to show the world that she can still do this. And it's something that she feels that she is born to do. So... Overall, I, I like I couldn't help but be won over by this movie, even though I do think it is incredibly flawed. It's not perfect. There are some filmmaking imperfections. There also is some criticisms, I think, to be leveled at even Annette Benning's performance a little bit. We can get into the disagreement on that if you want. Hmm. Uh, but overall, yeah, I thought it was okay. <laughs> yeah, I get why they chose this as their feature mm-hmm. debut, like, or their narrative debut, rather. It, it it makes so much sense. It's right in the wheelhouse of what yeah. they would normally make. I even wonder if they were, like, prepping the documentary version and were like, huh, what if we made it a feature? No, I, actually, from interviewing them, they said that they got the script. And okay. the main reason to make this movie was to work with actors who would play these roles. Hey, I mean, I love it. And and I think I think we could start right there with talking about the performances, since that is like that is the thing about this movie. Right. It's the main selling point for sure. Yeah. And I I, I'm in an interesting place with both perform with with Annette Bending's performances. You know, obviously, Dan said it's one of her best. Matt seems a little iffy. I I really my knowledge of Nyad is what makes it an interesting question, because I just don't know what the real woman is like at all in this film. Yeah, she's pretty off-putting. Um, you know, I don't know if there's anything with the real Nyad, but in the in the film, she seems like she could be on the spectrum. Uh, you know, so she's she's like a frustrating character and an aggravating character. Um, and so she, I think Benning does that very well. I think she portrays that very well. She does, she does, but I think there are maybe a few scenes where I think she's overdoing it, maybe just a tad. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Sure. I, I can see that. I just wonder yeah. for a lot of people, I've seen a lot of criticism of her performance, but I, I I wonder how much of it is people just genuinely being aggravated by the character versus, you know, a, a flaw in the performance. That's the question that I had. I had looked up uh, some interviews with 
Diana Nyad, the real life Diana Nyad, before seeing this because I remembered like vaguely this story, but I didn't remember who she was or what the context of the swim was, but I remembered it happening. And Benning has her pretty down. Uh, She is definitely like that. She is a (laughs) very straightforward, no bullshit, like what you see is what you get kind of gal and or like you know as the in the old school terminology they would call this woman you know she's a a broad you know she's like you know b arthur and that in that kind of mold the very straightforward kind of affectless dry personality but very intense and focused on what you know she's going to do. I was going to say that type of personality lends itself well to a competitor who doesn't take no for an answer, who is stubborn, mm-hmm. who is going to push themselves to the very limit. And that is the uh, quality about her that I think all of us uh, find to be inspirational and endearing, even though it can sometimes be off putting to others. Um, I think she could be a little crass. And I think there are times where she definitely, um, lacks a bit of social skills, you know, in terms of how she deals with people, especially those who are trying to tell her not so much that she has a team around her, right? It's not just Jodie Foster who's playing her best friend Bonnie here mm-hmm. and also acting as her coach, but she also has uh, Reese Evans playing John Bartlett. You got Carly Rothenberg as Dee Brady and a few others as well, and they're all there to help her in this goal they all have this common goal of making sure that she's able to do this but there are real risks involved that could literally kill her and it's their job to make sure that she is not going too far over the edge that she does put herself into that dangerous zone because when you have a competitor who is willing to push themselves beyond the limits of what most people would consider to be humanly possible you do run that risk so it's almost like they have to like protect her from herself. And I can see how that is the source of a lot of the conflict then uh, within this movie. And that does then make the character come off as a bit, what's the word I'm looking for? Antagonistic at times. Mm. And um, I can see how some people would kind of use that to say that her character is not likable. Um, I don't think it's a matter of likability, although I will say, though, too, this is not a part of the movie, but Diana Nyad did speak out a while back about uh, trans athletes not mm-hmm. being uh, acceptable in her eyes. Um, she felt they had a, quote unquote, advantage over other athletes that she thought would was unfair. And so I think some people coming into this movie probably hold those comments against the real life person also. And they bring that to it. Right. Please. So. Um, although as of just a few days ago, she apparently uh, walked back on those statements and apologized for it from what I'm seeing here. Hmm. Um, hmm. Who knows? Maybe well, maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's not suspicious at all. I was going to yeah, say I maybe mean, that's, that's the PR that's, machine at work here. <laughs> that certainly is. But look, I mean, it, uh, a walk back's a walk back as long as she genuinely disagrees with and disavows with those comments. Yeah. I mean, good. But but, but what yeah. I'm saying is that like I can see how there were some people probably when this film had its world premiere, um, they could bring that with them into yeah. the movie and use that to character uh, characterize her character as someone that y- you just don't like. The antagonistic nature of Nyad's character is really why I 
love Jodie Foster's performance yes. so much. Uh, like Bonnie is such a rock, both in in the way that the character's written and in in Jodie Foster's performance to the film. She's the rock of the film, and really, you know, uh, our, our avatar there, and helps us helps the audience stay grounded into this story that can get like like we've already said a, a bit cliche here and there but also repetitive which you know that's the nature of the story she she made what was it five attempts six attempts five um yeah. at, at five five attempts well and, six and, if you count now the one when she was in her 20s right. according to bear <laughs> no no right well no no i thought it was five including that one i thought in the movie it was only four all right jesus christ five six four whatever <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is it's a little bit repetitive um which that's not necessarily a a knock against the film that that is what happened. She had multiple attempts. Um, but a, even as that's going, Bonnie is just such a stable, steady presence for Nyad and for us. Um, and, and it's really, uh, it's, she's, she's a hard character, but she's lovable at the same time. And in a way that o- almost only Jodie Foster could do, she really captures both the strength and the lovability of Bonnie in a, in a really remarkable way. I actually would go so far as to say I think this is one of my favorite Jodie Foster performances precisely because the character is grounded. The character is someone whose emotions we as an audience are fully aligned with. And I think Jodie sells the um, conflict of that character in wanting to support her best friend as best as she can, but also realizing she might be enabling her best friend to put herself in a position where she may die in the process and she doesn't want to be held responsible for that or feel guilty for allowing that to happen. It's happening on her watch if it does. So that conflict, I think she does a great job of bringing to the forefront here. um, So much so that while I respect Benning's performance, especially from a physical standpoint, I'm watching her lift weights in the gym and seeing her in the water. And I'm just like, damn girl, I was doing this stuff when I was like 17 and you're doing it at 65. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, so because I, I swam in high school, FYI, um, <laughs> but but Jodie Foster is, I, I think without her, the movie doesn't work uh, or, you know, some people still think the movie doesn't work, but it would not work as well as it does without her. Yeah, I mean, the the scene, like, I guess it's mid a little over midway through the movie where Bonnie actually says, I'm done. Mm hmm. I, I am not doing this anymore. You believe it. Yeah. yeah and it, it feels I could, I, it's one of those things where in most movies I would say, like, Oh, they probably added that in for conflict, but no, like this felt like the character was really doing that. And like that in real life, that's what actually happened because it, it's so easy to get fed up with Diana mm-hmm. and the things that she is asking of these people. And she is, really genuinely only thinking about herself and how these things affect her and not at all about the people on the boat. Mm-hmm. My issue with the movie is that it, it it doesn't really characterize any of the other people in the boat. So the movie is a bit more like Diana than like Bonnie. Which... And there's a little work given to Reese Fonz in this. <laughs> yeah. He's the only one. Yeah. And he's the only name. Like, you know, I'm, it's not surprising. But I would have liked a little more characterization of them. I mean, there's a part where Bonnie's talking about, you know, what they 
do on the boat while Diana is swimming, which most of the time is very uneventful. Mm-hmm. And they're just literally watching her mm-hmm. and driving an extremely slow moving boat. And like having a scene or two of that maybe would have been nice instead of the um, very, very poorly executed flashbacks. Yeah. Can we talk about the flashbacks a little bit more? Yeah. Because that that's easily the worst part of this movie. They're 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 okay. Like it's not like it's some grave razzy worth of air. No, it's whatever. Yeah. It, 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 it's not that they're okay, Howard. You can say that they're not good. It's okay. Well, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're, 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 they are distracting. You know why they're yeah. distracting? It's because they do. Um, I I can't remember exactly if it was a lens filter or if it was a post production. Um, pass on like on on the um like they added like they added something to it to give it like this shiny yeah. clearly this is a flashback type of yeah. visual aesthetic and it just was so like I don't want to I don't want to come off a certain way by saying this but like it just seemed so amateur to me yeah and the thing is it's both the visual stuff is the easy is the easy thing to criticize right because it's like it's it just looks bad it's very obvious that it looks bad but when you really think about it the story wasn't even benefited by those flashbacks they did nothing to really flesh out her character to flesh out her story to flesh out the the pursuit they informed us a little bit more about some specific you know some trauma that Nyad went through that is not yeah, um, you know that that that's horrible. The things that she went through, um, but it doesn't really inform the story at all. And so it, all it does is just it's a detour. It's it's a distraction, and it just didn't it just didn't bring anything to the film. So in addition to looking bad, it was also like okay, let's let's move on so we can get back to the story that you're trying to tell us. And I think the more upsetting thing about it too is that the subject matter that it is covering is very triggering and horrifying for a number of viewers out there. And to that is probably the worst part about it, Howard, uh, Howard, you're right, is that if you're going to show us this and you're going to dive into this, this content, you got to make it have some form of purpose. And if it doesn't feel like it's having an overall impact on the story and it feels like it could have been cut, then... You're, I think you're going to run the risk of just pissing a lot of people off for making them sit through it. The thing about it for me is that the way they're deployed in the film <sighs> makes it seem as though these are the thoughts she's having while she's making her swims. Mm-hmm. And everything that the character says about how she, what she does when she swims would lead me to believe that that is the last thing that she would be thinking about. Right. She says that she sings, she counts. Yeah. She has a playlist. She counts strokes because, you know, she's got to, you know, do all these things and, you know, and so it just, it felt like, it, it felt like diminishing that story and, or trying to, by trying to create a connection between that and her failed attempts, which th- we know that that is not the reason why she failed or why she may have been swimming sl- too slow or whatever. And to me, it rubbed me the wrong way, even though like I get 
why you would want to include that. I just think that the way they used those flashbacks were not the best way to tell that part of her story. Now, here's the thing, though. Despite that, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here. I don't want to uh, spend too much time on this because I think there's a lot of stuff in between that we could probably say about the swims themselves. But I will say that the ending of this movie made up for a lot with me personally. Agreed. Oh, it's so well done. See, and that's the thing is that that moment is so well executed. And they always say no matter what happens in Acts 1 and 2, if you can nail Act 3, people most of the time will forget about what happened in Acts 1 and Act 2. You know, you leave them out uh, on a high and they'll forgive you for a lot. And that is certainly the case here. And yeah, but I but I think there is some other stuff with the swim attempts themselves uh, that also go a long way in helping to uh, erase, <laughs> uh, maybe not completely erase, but make up for some of these uh, other misgivings here. Like, for example, by the time we got up to the first attempt or second attempt, whatever you want to call it, when she's 60 years old, okay, and she's doing it for the first time at that age, I wasn't aware of where we were at in the runtime. And when I realized where we were, I thought to myself, oh, wow, we're going to spend a large chunk of the movie on this, <laughs> this attempt. Wow, this is going to be like, I was like, this is going to be very immersive. And this has to be like a really incredible stuff. I did not know that she attempted this this many times at <laughs> all. So when she didn't make it, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. What is, wait, I thought she made it. What the hell? I was actually kind of freaking out because I didn't know at that point then where the story was taking me. Now, by the time they get to like the third attempt, I was like, oh, okay. By the end of this movie, she makes it at some point or another. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, this would be an abomination of a story. Seriously. Yeah. Although <laughs> they make a note in like towards the beginning of the movie where she says that, it's going to cost $500,000 to do this swim. And I kept thinking like, well, this is spending $500,000 first on what? Because you've already said that everyone is like essentially donating their time and services. So you're not paying them. And also uh, $500,000 per each attempt, because that's a lot of money that was thrown away <laughs> on this then. <laughs> like, and I wish that they had, sort of explain that a little more yeah so in in thinking about the the different attempts uh i guess in in the context of the film it wasn't funny but thinking back on it it is a little bit funny how you know the 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 lengths they have to go through to to protect naiad i mean like they have to get it, it escalates each time that first they have a light then they have to have like this netting then they have to have face protection like that just keep kind of keeps escalating as they go and i remember in the context of the film it being um pretty thrilling to see like man how are they gonna combat this new this new threat that they've encountered but yeah by the end she's it, it, this this isn't just a woman swimming in the water this is she's got face gear and got all this stuff and so it's uh it's just really interesting to watch because i didn't know any of this stuff at all no there were problems that she was encountering that definitely did not enter my mind uh, for example, even just a mere fact of staying in the water for that long, because I've never stayed in the water for that long. So your mind then is forced to uh, wonder, and the movie presents some of these uh, issues head on about sunburn, for example, salt water, 
and long-term exposure to that. And then, you know, there's the obvious stuff, sharks, stingrays, you know, uh, weather conditions, things like that. But I was like, oh, my God, yeah. What does swallowing all that salt water do to you after a while? She starts hallucinating, starts seeing CGI shit in the water. (laughs) (laughs) And the makeup work, again, Mm. on like even just like the white salt marks around her mouth look so good (laughs) and so believable. That was another element, too. I remember telling you guys at TIFF uh, that the makeup work in this movie was amazing and that was something that completely took me by surprise. I did not go into this movie expecting this to, spoiler alert for our awards uh, talk, emerge as a makeup and hairstyling contender. Yeah, yeah. The I'd... work, the work, the way it withstands the water is is so good. And then even the lesser stuff, um, like just just the way Bonnie looks. You know, she she doesn't have any of the harrowing stuff from the water, but just the the deep tan that's on her, the kind of the sun baked. Now, look. how do you not know that Jodie Foster did not go and get a deep tan? <laughs> Hey, you know, maybe she did. I, maybe she she's did. committed, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's really excellent work overall. Yeah, I mean, the, the dried, like, when she's in the hospital bed in, at oh one point, and just, like, how yeah. dry her skin is, yeah. they, and, and the camera gets close, too. You can see the detail of the makeup work on her. It's really, really impressive. Yeah, and to get back to what you were saying, Matt, about the ending, the way Annette Benning walks out of that water like you feel like she has really been swimming for 60 hours mm-hmm. it, it's incredible the way you can feel like how everything is just like dragging her down and she can't how difficult it is to move any muscle in her body but then there is you know there's Jodie foster there's bonnie right there Encouraging her on one more step, one more step, Diana. I know you got one more, and you're willing her along. It is really like it's the stuff that you know inspirational sports movies are made of. You know. Now tell me this: in both of your screenings, Dan, I know you saw it at a film festival. Uh, other Dan, I know you just saw it uh, with uh, a crowd last week here in New York. Did your audience applaud? Yep. Um, I don't think so. I was at a press screening early in the morning. Okay, that's different. All right. Yeah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. We, I saw it at a public screening uh, where there were press in there, but it was predominantly patron pass holders at Telluride. So my audience went insane during that final sequence. I mean, like, maybe one of the loudest uh, live applauses for a movie I've ever heard, and people were crying. Wow. I mean, it was very, very emotional. And I remember thinking to myself, this is... <laughs> This is like the Top Gun Maverick ending of this year where two characters <laughs> hug each other and the audience just loses their minds, you know? <laughs> it really does end on a, on such a high note that yeah. that's really walking out. You go, wow, that was a really good movie. It's not until afterwards. It's one of those where kind of the more you think about it, you're like, well, this wasn't great and this wasn't great. But, but man, it nailed the ending. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although, like, for me personally, knowing, like, what Diana Nyad has done and had to do with after that swim, I, frankly, like, I would have paid good money for to see this go on, like, another 15, 20 minutes just to see Annette Benning do scenes from Diana Nyad's one-woman show. I would have paid good, very good money to see that. Wait, wait, wait. Was she, like, uh, was she challenged on whether or not she did it, like, legitimately? Yes, there were um, not, like, official challenges, but, like, as of 
still today the world open water swimming association like the, it, it has not been recognized as by any marathon swimming organization as an official swim wow it, it's wow. not been ratified by that. anybody yeah and it's a lot about how because of the suit and the mask and she had a lot of help you know, basically like how close she was to the boat yeah it's like is this actually a quote-unquote unassisted swim or not and so there was a bit of controversy about it in the marathon swimming world um and there were people who questioned it i think at the time but then uh it was they had some like oceanographer be like yes like the whole thing with the um how they swim across the Gulf stream and that helped her. Like it basically doubled her speed for the time that she was spinning through it or something like that. That's the other thing too, about this too. When yeah, we see like comes to them with like the weather report and says the currents are going to be like this and we have to wait for this. This is our window. It's like, this is also other shit that my brain just doesn't immediately think of when I would think about planning to do, uh, uh, not a race, but a, um, a swim such as this. Yeah. And it's fascinating. <laughs> it, it is like there are so many logistics that go into this that you kind of am mesmerized by the process more than anything, I think. Uh, when she actually gets in the water itself, uh, there are times where Benning's performance certainly helps. Uh, but I actually think the I think the, the, the real champion of those sequences are uh, the. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's the editing. Christopher uh, Telesfin, uh, the editor of this film, I think does a really, really great job during the swims of incorporating real life footage and also like cutting back and forth between Diana and the water to the boat. There's a lot of also like on screen information uh, that's also communicated to like, uh, you know, st- stating like. Uh, which attempt this is and how many miles it is and where she's at in this point in the swim. And that helps a lot with just getting the audience to understand how far she has come and how far she has to go. I think those sequences move extremely well to the point that when she gets out of the water and she's not doing one of her swims and we're back to these uh, just dialogue sequences again, it does then I think kind of kill the momentum of the, of the movie a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's just an unfortunate fact of the real life story. Like, I think how it said earlier, the attempt didn't work. Now we have to mm-hmm. wait until the next time. Mm-hmm. And there's naturally, you know, drama that will occur in between each attempt. And and how it I meant uh, you mentioned earlier, you feels it gets a little repetitive in that sense, because for me, like, yes, it is repetitive because there are multiple attempts. But I, I still found the editing of those sequences to be thrilling enough that I actually was kind of clamoring and waiting for her to get back in the water. Not like this feeling of when she got back in the water. Oh, here we go again. I was more like, yeah, let's go. Let's let's get some more of that exhilarating filmmaking like on display here. You know, it was more when each because I I didn't know which attempt was going to be successful. And so it was more Uh. like it was more like instead of a traditional and this isn't to say all movies need to have a traditional structure but but you know there's a traditional kind of rise and fall of, of a movie it, kept, it was almost like a lot of mini rises and falls mm-hmm. it's like 
Okay, and another attempt. Okay, no. Okay, another attempt. Okay, no. You know, and so yeah, it's that, a whole season of Glee in two hours. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's again. In, look, I I don't know if I was writing the screenplay, I I don't know how I would structure it any different. I mean, it's a it's a challenging story to tell. In that that's really what happened. There were a bunch of different attempts that are all vital to the story. It's not like you could just condense this into one attempt for storytelling purposes. Like they they all mattered. So. So I don't know how how I would have fixed the issue. All I'm saying is it, it did start to just feel like, okay, when is it? When is she going to finally do it? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get over to final thoughts here on Nyad. Uh, Dan Bear, we can start off with you. Any final thoughts that you have here or something you want to reiterate? Um, I, <laughs> I I did laugh the first time she put on the the jellyfish protective mask. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because it looks really silly. Um, I also laughed when she's giving her like inspirational speech at the Southwestern Association of Dentists convention. <laughs> that was that was hilarious. Um, I really liked that it opened with footage of her of actual Diana Nyad's previous swims. And I liked how they kept using audio. Uh, I assume it's audio from actual Diana Nyad throughout, um, almost narrating what had just happened or what she does when she's swimming. I thought that was really effective. And I think that sort of speaks to uh, the director's history doing documentaries. And I think that served them well Mm -hmm. in terms of that. I, I did have a major issue that the screenplay just casually drops into the third act that her father, who gave her the last name Nyad, isn't her actual biological father. Oh, <laughs> really? I forgot. Yeah, I, I was just like, wait, really? Like, you're just going to drop that in now? Then the name Nyad, because as she, as she keeps saying over and over again, is, you know, Greek for water nymph. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's really like, it's a comically symbolic last name <laughs> but when you would like say like oh like that's so written but she's a real person but just casually dropping that into the third act of the movie is like what are you doing here what 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 is this yeah that seemed like it was one of those things where true to life sure but did the story necessarily need it no, and it actually just put us in a position where we were forced to ask more questions. You could make the argument that it does break down this whole idea of destiny, like she's destined to do this because it's her name, uh, and it boils down instead to instead of it being destiny. No, it's hard work. It's support from people who love you and uh, focusing on that which really matters. You could make that argument that that's why it's there. But I agree. It brought up a little bit more of a uh, what are we doing here and what does this mean ultimately? And are we about to go off on like another side story with this? Like, no, you know? Yeah. Well, it also brings up like, like, why has she been so fixated on this if it's not her actual name? Exactly. <laughs> like, it, it was just it was very strange. And as much as I you know, love Annette Benning and Jordi Foster's performances. Again, I just like, especially since she, at the end of that successful swim, she goes, you know, this was all about, you know, a team. You can't do this alone. It's a solo sport. It's not, it's a, you have a team behind you. And we only know, like really get to know two other members of that team. And really only one, because the stuff we get about Reese Ivan's character is just 
it's a lot of personality stuff, but you don't actually learn a lot about him about him. So again, like it felt kind of like weird to be like, yes, this is about a team, but the movie is about one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. I agree. There's a lot of people that are in those, uh, you know, wide shots and there are people in the background. Like, you know that there were more people involved, mm-hmm. but the movie's not interested in getting to know any of them. I, yeah, I hear you on that. That's it. Daniel Howard, how about you? Final thoughts. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Yeah, Naya does mean water nymph. Did you guys know that? <laughs> Did I yes. know that? The movie only yeah. tells it us does, like yeah. seven times. <laughs> the whole time. It, it's not water nymphs. Don't forget. Um, yeah, no, I. I did like this movie overall. You know, I think it's, I think it's a good movie. The, there are, um, a lot of issues with it. You know, uh, Dan, you mentioned the, the news footage and documentary footage that's kind of spliced in. I did like it at the beginning. I felt that there were a few moments where it's spliced throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah. I didn't, that didn't work I, as well. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Like it. <laughs> oh, see, like I thought that like during, especially the final attempt where it was cutting back to her, like as a kid and like, you know, you kind of felt the buildup of like all these years of hard work. Like I thought it was very effective then. Uh, yeah, I th- I think you're right about that. I think that it, there were more times where it was kind of like updating us on things, uh, updating us on her tries that, that it, it felt a little bit more distracting. I, uh, you know, again, I've seen this movie uh, over a month ago, so uh, I can't think of specific moments uh, that just rem- that's just my memory of it. But overall, I, I really appreciate the performances more than anything else. And uh, this doesn't, you know, uh, I, I'm still very excited to see what Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai Vassarhelli do in this medium. I don't want them to stop making documentaries either, but I, I, I do want to see more narrative features from them because I think they I think they have they're incredibly talented filmmakers, obviously. I almost want to see them try something that's not so clearly in their wheelhouse. You know, I, I, I want them to tell a story that they couldn't have told in the documentary format, if that makes sense. So I, I'm, I'm curious what they'll do next um, in this field, especially. Uh, but overall, I, I appreciated this. Oh, one other thing I have to bring up. I do have to ask Matt, do you still... Uh, make fun of me for saying this is Jodie Foster's best performance since Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Actually, now that Dan has seen it, Dan, what do you think about that claim? <laughs> Hold on, wait, Dan, I... Dan, before you answer. Yes, Howitt. <laughs> you still make fun of me? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I stand by <laughs> I think she's great in this. Truly great. It's one of my favorite performances from her. But dude... Do you just have blind spots in her filmography? Come on. Look, Nell is great, but since Silence of the Lambs, what? I mean, she's great in Contact. She's great in Panic Room. Yeah. 
those are the I, I, those are the I agree. Two, those are the only two that I would say like yeah she's maybe been this good since then but I would actually tend to agree. I, I I okay I would I would say since since contact I I'm not sure that this is a better performance than contact but that's the only one I'll accept that I also really do like her in Inside Man but that's <laughs> yeah that's a very different. <laughs> But I think that's because I just enjoy that movie overall. Uh, Performance-wise, I think she's better here. And I will say, you know, she almost... Well, she won a Golden Globe for um, The Mauritanian. Uh, and she's great in that film, but I never felt the way uh, I feel about this performance, about The Mauritanian. Um, I, I didn't fully understand the awards. Uh, she, I mean, she damn near got an Oscar nomination for that. And... Uh, I think she's so, so, so much better in this film than she was in the Mauritanian. So, uh, I, yeah, I really hope. I mean, we're going to do Oscar talk here in a minute, but I, I really hope she can she can break through. She feels so natural in the role. Yes. In a way that we haven't really seen from her in a, while, a long time. Yeah, that's that's what I, I, I love about it. And you know what? She does a really good job at. Being supporting in a caring way, but also sometimes in a pushy way to, you know, push Mm -hmm. someone towards excellence. She, uh, I think, walks that line extremely well. And there are uh, scenes between the two of them, too, where they're fighting and they're going at it. They may not be, uh, you know, lovers. I know that some people uh, prior to this film's release were wondering, like, oh, oh, is this a gay story with... uh, Benning and Foster. No, no, no. They're both lesbians, but they're friends. They're, they're nothing romantic between the two of them. But I think that actually makes it even stronger because of it. It's just refreshing to see female friendship depicted this way. You know? Yeah, we don't get to see this kind of female friendship on screen at the, like between women of this age, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. ever. Right. I mean, we're talking <laughs> decades of friendship between the two. So there's a lot of history here. Yeah. And, and I love I love their shorthand, you know, like that. You, yes. you can feel that they have been friends for decades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they may not live with each other, but they pretty much see each other like every single day. So. All right. Uh, for my final thoughts here, I was actually going to bring up Foster again. So I'm glad that we touched upon that. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> I've come to talk with you again. <laughs> I loved it, and I also rolled my eyes at the same time. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's such a lazy song choice. Um, it's so iconic in The Graduate that that's the problem, right? It's like, I just feel that if you use it again in another movie, it's never going to be used as well as it was used there. And it's so iconic in its use in that movie that I would just I would just tell other filmmakers use a different song if you're thinking of using the sound of silence in your movie please (laughs) I liked the underwater photography by Claudio Miranda in this movie I did I liked the photography out of the water uh when they when she was in the water like the wide shots and such right of the boat and everything did this movie need this much CGI underwater? Right. The animals and the hallucinations. Like that was like, did it need this? Well, no. Right. (laughs) I mean, and it looked, especially the hallucination looked really bad. It, It looked really, really bad. It looked cheesy and it didn't like, uh, if you don't have the budget for it, don't do it. Cause you know what? The story didn't need it. 
Like, not everyone can be James Cameron, and that's okay. That is the problem. James Cameron has now ruined all underwater film uh, it's uh, filming for every other filmmaker out there. It's true. Because everything just looks so inferior compared to it now. Yep. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, so overall, even though I've got issues with this movie, um, I was pretty moved by it by the end. I did find it to be inspirational. And yes, it is a crowd pleaser. Like, there's no denying it. And maybe there are some people who will be immune to its charms by that ending. And maybe they won't have that same reaction. And that's quite all right. Because quite frankly, through a majority of this movie, I was feeling it sort of the same way as well. I was on board with some of the drama. And then sometimes it would lose me. There were times where the performances would take me out of the movie. But then they would pull me back in. The photography sometimes. Like, I was like thinking to myself... Oh, man, like, why are Jimmy and Elizabeth shooting this like though as if they wanted to feel like a documentary? I, it was very odd. Uh, some of their stylistic choices, especially, like I said, uh, if it took place um, in a, like a dialogue scene, like in Diana's apartment, it was like the blocking and just the way that some of the shots were lit and such. I was like, this feels very documentarian like and not narrative. You know, so throughout a majority of this movie, I was actually probably going to give it a five out of ten, if I'm being completely honest with you. And then the ending happened and I couldn't help myself. I shed a tear. I was pretty moved by it. Six out of ten. And maybe some people will feel differently about that. But for me, it did what it was supposed to in the end. Daniel, what about you? I I think I'm at a soft seven. Uh, that's that's what I gave it out of TIFF. You know, it it to be honest, it really hasn't stuck with me. So like I could pretty easily go down to a six. But, uh, you know, I'll stick with what I gave it on the site and uh, say seven out of ten. Dan Bear. I'm with you, Matt. I'm at a six out of ten. OK. As far as the awards potential for Nyad. I think the conversation starts with Annette Benning and Jodie Foster, and then it can extend from there to makeup. And I'll be generous and say editing, because whether you like it or not, the editing is flashy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree that uh, if we want to start there, I, I don't I don't think I have it in my 10 at all. No. Um let me see. Do I have it? No, I don't have it in the 10. It, it like it could happen if people really start to rally around this movie or if, you know, the actresses start to start winning awards and making Nyad a bigger contender. But, uh, yeah, I, I really do think it's actors, makeup, and that's the end of it. I mean, I guess Despla did the score, but I don't remember the score. I don't remember the score either. Yeah. Yeah. I remember liking it at in the movie, but I do not remember what it sounded like. <laughs> His score for Asteroid City is a bit more memorable to me earlier this year. I, I was shocked that it was Desplat. It did not sound like a Desplat score. Mm. I, I agree with that. Remember that. But yeah, uh, I think I think the makeup is in. To, yeah, well, to be I, honest, like I, I really think it's in. I mean, it has to make the short list, but this is also the kind of makeup work that the branch typically mm -hmm. tends to favor. Yeah, because it's not you know it's never all just like blockbusters who are getting in there right so so hopefully we get like guardians in there um of course we'll get poor things but like and maestro but i i, I do think Nyad can can make it in it's it's great work and it is actually showy work even though you wouldn't expect it i have it at number five at the moment yeah i have it at four yeah i think it's 
it's safe in there as long as it makes a short list. I think that's going to be like the big mm-hmm. hurdle for it because it's like supporting makeup. Basically it's not, you know, whole on characters like it is in a lot of these other movies that we were talking about. But I think that if it makes that list, very, very good chance it gets in. This is a movie that is definitely hurt by the SAG after strike because it doesn't have Benning and Foster out there. Yeah. During Q&A's campaigning for this, not just for their performances, too, but they could also speak to the makeup as well, uh, which would be very, very helpful, I think, here for uh, both of those campaigns. So in looking at both of their chances, I have to admit when it comes to Benning, I currently have her at number seven. But here's where my mind is currently going at the moment. There's one of two scenarios here. There is the scenario A where she does not do well with the critics groups, which I suspect she won't. She might get a few regional mentions here and there. And then by the time we get to the televised awards, I think that's where she'll start showing up. She'll get a Globe nomination. She very likely will probably get a SAG nomination, I would imagine. I could see her getting in a Critics' Choice. BAFTA, who knows what BAFTA is doing nowadays. Um... But then when it comes to Oscar, the the second scenario is, you know, either she makes it all the way despite the no film critics support, but the, you know, the televised goes for her or she's one of those people who gets in everywhere and then she misses on Oscar morning. I could very easily see that happen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm more leaning towards she's not really going to be a factor, to be honest with you. I, I You don't think she'll even get nominated Globe with six nominees for drama? Uh, let's see, is, where's Poor Things? Is Poor Things comedy? Poor Things is definitely comedy. Oh, I, yeah. I, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen I'm it. just saying, um, you, you put Stone and Robbie and Fantasia Barino immediately into that category. Yeah. All right, all right, fair enough. She's getting a Globe nomination, Howitt. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have her at eight right now. I, I certainly, it, it's just a really, Best Actress is, is just on fire this year. I mean, there are so many incredible nominees. I mean, uh, p- potential. No, and, and conventional wisdom always says, go with the films that have the best picture heat, which makes a tremendous amount of sense. But I could see her being that industry veteran who... Yeah. Like I said, like SAG, like SAG, this is exactly the kind yeah. of thing that SAG would do. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're right about the Globe nom. That's going to help. But uh, outside of that, like, you know, she's not getting a Critics' Choice nomination. Uh, <laughs> what if they decide, well, we're nominating, you know, seven or eight people for yeah. some bizarre reason, you know? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I just think there's too many. There's too many great contenders uh, this year. But. You know, we'll see. She is obviously people love Annette Benning, so we'll see what happens. I, I I'm gonna today bank on she shows up at a couple televised, but she doesn't end up getting the nomination. I do, however, have Foster at number five at the moment. Yeah, I have Foster at three. I forget where I have her. Um I think I have her either at five or you six. You have her at four. Four? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I this is also a competitive category, so you know who knows. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like bet money on 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 her getting in as of this moment, but I do think there's space for her at the moment, and I think that Jodie Fo- people love Jodie Foster, and yes. I think if 
this this the strike ends and she can get out there. Uh, you know, I know she does. She's not like in love with promotion, but if she can do some interviews, get her name back out there, I think she can. I think she can make it. I don't think she's win competitive unless just the tide shifts totally in that direction. But um, I do think she could totally get a nomination. We're not getting another surprise Golden Globe win for Jodie Foster hey, this year. No, <laughs> hey, you never know. No, it's true. And, then, and miss, missing the nomination, the Oscar nomination. But that's part of the reason why I think she's going to get in this time yeah. is I think she came very, very close with Mauritanian last time. And look at how small of a profile that film had. This film has Netflix behind it. <laughs> Yes, it was 2020, though. That's the caveat we have to make. Right, but, but once still. again, how it Netflix. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. They get nominations. Yep, they do. And also, too, Bear, when you saw it, was the real Bonnie there? Uh, I don't know. Okay, I'm asking because <laughs> I've heard that she's actually been, you know, because Jodie Foster can't. I've heard that they've had the real Bonnie out at a number of Q&As. They had a bunch of the crew mm-hmm. there i i don't remember seeing her there okay that's fine either way i'm just saying though that that has to count i think for something when you could have someone that you know you're playing in a movie campaigning on your behalf mm-hmm. uh, like oh absolutely yeah yeah well and elizabeth and jimmy were great campaigners on behalf of both Benning and Foster at the screening. Oh, yeah. Which was a uh, producer's guild screening, if I recall correctly. So lots of producers in the audience, and they did applaud very respectfully at the end. So it felt like probably not the type of uh, response you would want for like a best picture play, but you could tell that everyone thought the two of them were incredible and everyone behind the scenes was singing their praises too. Yeah. I often think about like the, what if I mentioned at the top of the show here, you know, Benning's supposed to be receiving that tribute at Telluride and kind of kickstarting the path, if you will, for her throughout the rest of this season. I'm sure lots of articles would have been written about her as a result. It just doesn't feel like her performance in this is getting the same level of coverage it would have gotten if she were able to be out there on the campaign trail on this film's behalf. This is like one of the first films I feel like we've reviewed this Oscar season where it's not a strong enough contender overall, like a killers of the flower moon, for example, where it does need that additional support and you're seeing a direct impact of what the SAG after strike is doing uh, yeah. to some of these people who are hoping to have their chances uh, this award season when their film is yeah. not a guaranteed best picture nominee. And, and that's the well, thing like this year is this is a banger of a year for movies mm-hmm. like this is a really, really strong year, uh, stronger than. I, I mean, honestly, it's, it's for me personally, it, this feels stronger than the last three or four years, truthfully. So uh, there's just so many good movies, good contenders, good, like even unexpected um, uh, awards contenders that for a movie that's like so clearly aiming for awards, but underwhelming. I, I just don't think it's going to push over the edge in, in many categories with hopefully the exception of Jodie Foster. We'll see. Any other final thoughts before we go? See it. <laughs> I know that we sounded like kind of negative on it, but like it's good. It'll it is really uplifting, and Agreed. it's a big feel good movie. Do you wish could it have been done a little better? Yeah, but like I think that's the big thing that's 
hurting a lot of like smaller films like this is that they don't have people like Annette Bening and Jodie Foster out to promote it so that people know to go see it. Yep, I, I totally agree. Like, see, we want people to see mid-budget adult dramas. Like, this is that. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, its theatrical run is going to be limited. Very short. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and short. Um, it will be on Netflix very soon, which is where a majority of people will see it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that'll do it for our review of Nyad here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Daniel Howitt, tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the internet. You can find me on Twitter at HowittDK. Dan Baer? You can find me on Twitter at DancingDan on film, letterboxed, and post at DancingDan. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.